Welcome to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Fiona. My passion for sport really started when I was a competitive swimmer. This led me to study sport development at university whilst also working within the sporting industry. I'm a huge believer in sport being used as a tool for good. Each week, I'll bring you an episode with someone involved in the sporting world. It could be your local high school teacher or your childhood or current sporting hero. The difference is that it's not your typical type of questions. We talk about the highs and lows in their journey through sport, but also what they've learned from it and how it's made them who they are today. There's also a strong focus on how being involved in sport can impact the community. If you haven't already, make sure you hit follow wherever you're listening so you don't miss the drop of each new episode. If you're after some bonus content, then you can check out our Instagram or Facebook page at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this episode, we are joined by Mitch James, a former competitive swimmer who found a love for lifesaving, in particular inflatable rescue boat racing. Mitch and I swam at neighbouring clubs once upon a time, however, our paths didn't cross until this year now that we are working together at Lifesaving Victoria. In this chat, Mitch takes us through his swimming journey and how that led him to the world of lifesaving. We chat about how competitive pool swimming can help you when out in the ocean rescuing someone and the link between tumble turns and waves. If you're puzzled, don't worry, Mitch gives the best description. Mitch really shows how being involved in the sport of lifesaving can be beneficial for the community, with over 50 lifesaving clubs made up of more than 37,000 members in Victoria working together to prevent aquatic-related death and injury in all Victorian communities which I think is pretty special. As always, you can find all the links to things mentioned in the show notes. Let's dive on into the chat. Mitch, can you tell us a little bit about your sport? You've had a few and how you got into it. Yeah, so had a couple of different sports throughout my, I guess, my life. Probably the main two that I'll be speaking about is probably my swimming career, I guess, my short swimming career in, in some cases, but also... Another sport that I love passionately is, which is IB racing or inflatable rescue boat racing, which is part of surf lifesaving and the lifesaving movement, which I'm heavily involved in. I guess we'll start with swimming. Uh, it's the easiest one. I guess it started all back with my parents. They've grown up throughout the lifesaving, grew up around water. And with that came, uh, I guess, an understanding for us to be able to be able in the water and be safe in the water. My parents didn't really put anything on to us too hard however we were asked that we swam until at least 10 years old and that I think just sort of drove the passion of swimming from there we moved into um, squad and then moved up into uh, Warrigal Water Warriors which was the club um, or the local club there and then eventually went into uh, Casey Tiger Sharks and started started swimming there but then actually went back to um, Warrigal for probably yeah, probably the last two seasons, um, I would say, before I before I finished up. Same same sort of thing with lifesaving, I guess. I sort of finished up swimming um, due to an injury, which I'll talk about later. And uh, at first, I didn't want to do it. Um, I was like, what is lifesaving and what is this? Um, this is stupid. Did not like it one bit. And I think 
like uh, mum and dad dragged me down for another session or two and was like, oh, come back, keep keep trying it. And eventually I think found some good friends around it and, and stayed heavily engaged. And then I was, um, before you know, I was patrolling on a beach and uh, spending a lot of time. Um, always took interest in um, the IBs. And then uh, one of my good mates now uh, started up the team there and thought, yeah, this is sweet. I get to do 35 to 40 kilometers out through surf. So it's a bit of a wild sport, but, uh, but really good and fun for the, for the adrenaline for myself. Yeah. Well, for those who don't know, like you'd think, oh, surf life-saving or life-saving, it's just the, I guess the swimming, the boards, um, and the running along the beach, but you, you forget about the other aspects to it. So what was it, I guess, like about the boats? Was it that adrenaline that you were like, this is what I want? Yeah, definitely. I guess growing up, I was also, I was always a bit of a risk taker, I guess. So grew up on <laughs> motorbikes, grew up on um, where, where's the tree that I can climb up or jump out of, whatever it might have been. Um, I think IBs just took took a liking to that side of me and, yeah, heard about IB racing and, yeah, really fell in love with it. How do you get involved in that? Because I know, you know, it goes up. Does it even go to an international level? I know there was Aussies earlier yep. in the year, but how do, how does like one get involved in IRB racing? Yeah, yeah, really good question. So to start off, you need to be a part of a club, obviously, um, and there's a, there's a couple of baseline awards or qualifications that, that you need to hold. Um, and then there's um, a bit of training requirements. So you've got to be able to complete 20 hours per season in a boat and specifically doing IB racing. That's from a safety point of view. And then you can work into uh, joining a team and, and getting involved. But to your point uh, back then, we, I think two years ago, 2018, uh, Australia sent a world um, IB crew um, only to Adelaide because it was in, it was in Australia. Um, however, they won, they won that event. So we're, we're very strong within our, uh, within our racing there. It's really cool and you wouldn't even think like I didn't even know it was really a sport even you know my first month at Life Saving Victoria I had no idea until everyone was talking about Aussies and I was like wait what you race the boats? Yeah yeah definitely um so the whole I guess the whole uh the whole meaning around it would be it's all based on simulated rescues so and with that as a driver, as a crew, um, you get to you get to learn the limitations of of the vessel, and ultimately that that transforms back into how you patrol the beach and how you save someone. Um, you've got you've got those skills. You know the limitation of of the craft that you're in uh, to be able to go out and get that person and bring them back safely. I will touch on that little bit later in the yep. in the podcast, <laughs> but uh, that is a good thing to remember in terms of like the reason behind it now if we go to swimming what was it about swimming other than the fact that your parents forced you until you were 10 what was it about <laughs> swimming that you really loved yeah I'll, I'll use force pretty lightly just because uh I think mum and dad will pull me up on it but <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely a bit of an enjoyment piece there as well I guess we're saying like from a from a competition side really enjoyed that being made to be able to put your best foot forward every weekend or chasing those certain times. I think I really enjoyed. There was another social aspect to that as well, which where I met like-minded people who are my age, not only just from my school, but also multiple schools around the area as well. So that really translated to if we rocked up in an event together and not a swimming event, but maybe an inter-school 
event that I was knowing so many other people just through just through the sport and then eventually grew to a sort of a Gippsland-based friendship group, I would say, which was really important at that time of that time of age, um, I would say. Yeah, and I guess like go, looking from the country or the regional perspective, you know, I grew up metro, so I kind of maybe took it for granted at how big our club was and how many clubs were close by. Mm. But in that country point of view, there would have maybe only been a handful of people in your age just in the, you know, in the whole region. So, yeah, having that social aspect is really, really huge. Yeah, definitely. Like I think um trying to put my memory cap back on now, but we had, it was probably about 10 to 15 people sort of my age and we were, and we were a pretty decent club, like we were were pretty substantial in terms of size um but yeah in terms of competition point of view I think that was maybe six seven heats of eight lanes which um yeah isn't a lot of people and then and then you eventually come up into the the big smokies what I refer to it and you're swimming you're swimming state championships and you've got 31 heats of 50 meter freestyle it's completely yeah completely different world <laughs> it is but even even from a metro point of view it is still a different point of yeah. world when you go up to the go up to the state champs in terms of you mentioned you like stopped swimming because of an injury so can you walk us through some significant moments throughout like your sporting journey and I guess like we'll find out how they shaped who you are today yeah Probably with the swimming, and I guess that was sort of later on, I think. Um, I was trying to have a think. I think I was about 14, 15 maybe. And, yeah, definitely definitely was a showstopper for me. It was, uh, I can't even, I think we were at some inter-club building and it was just fun races sort of thing. So I think I was doing a 100-meter IM essentially. The first lap, 25, fly, and I got down to the end of the flags so one two strokes left Mm -hmm. um if that and I just felt I threw my arms over coming over and just instantly instant pain in my right shoulder and was uh beside us within the shoulder socket which then turned into it inflamed and then then had to take the bench for the next sort of six to eight months tried to re-strengthen it Tried to go back to swimming, jumped back in the pool for one or two sessions, but then I think I quickly realised of those last six to eight months how how much more time I had in my life, um, and then yeah, sort of decided to give it up then. And then shortly after, that's when the life saving call came. Um, was pretty pretty close to that. Hmm. It's interesting that like swimmers do shoulders <laughs> so mm. often because <laughs> that's what made me stop the first time um did did you like get stuck with the kickboard pretty much for those months yeah well pretty much to towards the start I couldn't even couldn't even hold my arms out so mm-hmm. um it was it was kicking on the back um with your hands by your side <laughs> hands hands by my side or one arm out um one arm freestyle or one arm flight whatever it, whatever it sort of needed to be and then eventually as I as I got more rotation and more more movement then then started putting actual strokes together I would say but yeah and that quickly changed um obviously the passion and the goals the goals changed there and then the focus went into life-saving I guess and there was probably some memorable moments there as well. 
Yeah, so take us through some of the, the life-saving moments. So highs, lows. Yeah, definitely. So probably probably a couple of the highs was those probably first two seasons, three seasons of racing. Um, we knew nothing. We knew no one. However, we had our team and, and that was really important. Uh, it was really crucial though uh, and very different coming from an individual sport to now to now relying on a team to perform, to be able to um, get through the heats and finals. We went up to Australian titles uh, 2019 and made some national finals there, which was really good, fourth and fifth, I think, so just, just off the podium. But, yeah, you look at the sport and you go, oh, there's not there's not too much uh, technique there involved, but you boil it down and it's all those one percenters that pull it together, just like swimming, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know back in the swimming times, if you miss you miss one session in the pool leading up to that that week's race, then you're not going to get that time that you're after. Mm-hmm. I guess it's that thing at any high level of sport. It is the one percenters. I've heard you say that twice this week, and one completely irrelevant to sport, but relevant to work. It's those one percenters that make the the final difference. Was there? It would have stopped because of COVID. So this year was it the first one back? Yeah, we released last year for a little bit, and then we got to the end of the end of the round, and um, a couple of those end carnivals were cancelled off. You went up to Aussies earlier in the year. Did you race? I did race earlier. Um, it was actually the most relaxed Aussies I've ever had. Um, I was more did a couple did a couple of races, um, but really was there to supporting the team and helping the team out um, in the back end of everything and. Um, making sure that was that was all kicking along and going well. Was that just a natural like progression, like just taking that leadership role because you'd been on the team for a few years, or how did that happen? To be honest, not really sure. I've been around IB racing now for ten years, I think it was. So a little bit of time, and we had quite. I guess yeah, it probably was a natural progression. We did we did have quite a, a few young people join our team really needed that sort of higher level mindset to to keep things moving and um know what's going on in in Australian titles it's quite busy it's quite hectic and um looking after themselves is is really important Mm, awesome Mm. and this one is it's sort of new to the podcast um if you could go back and relive a moment in your sporting journey it can be any moment what would it be and why yeah, so there's probably a couple of reasons. There's probably a couple of things that now I look back on thinking, oh, they they were really good and strong opportunities, and I didn't realise the position that I was in at the time. Back in swimming, um, or back to swimming, I guess there was a couple of really significant times with in Gippsland Championships and Country Championships as well, where I was really swimming really well, and uh, I think I just finished up from the Tiger Sharks team back swimming for Warrigal at that time, so taking everything that I learned from Tiger Sharks and um, as as we know, Ben Hiddleston there taught me quite Could a bit there. Good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think one of my final Gippy titles was probably swimming alongside Bowen Golf, who now is now on the comms game team and we were really good mates back then. So it's really it's really good to see what he's doing now. But yeah, just those small times and standing behind the blocks with, with some of the best mates about to knuckle it down out in the pool. That was really, really big piece there. 
IB Racing 21 season for Brighton went was really good, was really strong. Um, we had a really good team. There wasn't too much banter. Well, there was lots of banter, but there wasn't too much um, arguments or anything <laughs> happening there. But then we also performed really well. So that was that was really memorable as well. Mm, it's, I was going to say, not too much banter, not with you on the team, Mitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but Gotta it's... Got to keep the banter going. Yeah, but it's really good that you're able to, you know, have a really strong team. And I think that's probably what makes the difference in sport, but also in life. Like having a good team around you is kind mm. of make or break, like in, in everything. And I say that now, working with the best team of Life Saving Victoria. Sorry, everyone else. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it does make a difference, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. Um, even even when I talk about swimming, like as much as I say it's an individual sport, like you're the one in that lane um, and it's down to you, you've had a team backing you to get you to that point. You've you've got your parents, you've got your coach, um, physios, strengthening coaches, um, teammates cheering on side of the pool, all those things come back to a team sport. And I'd be really hard to find a, a sport that's purely individual uh, nowadays. Now there's so many different elements to it and the way technology is progressing, putting a hundred percent into your sport requires everything. Mm, that's a really good point. Like people say from the outside looking in that, you know, say athletics or swimming or there's probably more out there, but they say that they are individual sports, but really they're not like everyone who's involved no. in them is like, no, no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at yeah, not at all. Yeah, not at all. And it is a good point. Like you wouldn't be where you are without those key people, and the even just the people that you train with or who show up. Even the parents of the other people. Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, multiple times I think like, and you've probably been in the same position. Is like you you'll be pulling on a cap at, at race and you split the cap. <laughs> um, you're lucky you've got a a mate beside you or your goal is broken or um, you need a drink and talking back in an IB sense, competition area is massive, mm-hmm. um, 150 metres, 200 metres long. Um, so the 10 miles away, but you've got a friend there with the drink bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, so just those little, those little things. And I'll, and I'll say it again, those one percenters, it, it all adds up mm-hmm. um, and it all, it all changes on the way you, you perform. Yeah. Did you ever have like someone throw a cap? Um, like at you from like the MSAC stands? <laughs> no, I don't think I was always, um, I was always the person with, uh, with the cap and goals on in the, uh, no, well in the marshalling, in the marshalling room. So I was never putting a cap or goals on as I was walking out or was behind blocks. I was always prepared in the sense of, yeah, it's, it's on and everything's good to go in the marshalling room because then I've got time to fix it if not Mm -hmm. I remember actually I think it was Bowen he didn't realize when our race was and he was he he pulled off his towel behind the blocks and he realized he still had his uh normal warm-up bathers on didn't have his race race bathers on um anyway I think he did a quick towel change behind the blocks and managed to managed to get up and onto the blocks um just in time, I think. But uh, yeah, that was quite a memorable moment there. And I was like, if there's anything that, um, and I guess swinging this back around into to, into a learning sense is of how 
of how disciplined I was and how disciplined that has taught me throughout my life now of, of what swimming did. Really super important uh, to always have a full drink bottle, always be in the best condition you are, even thinking like when the alarm goes off at whatever time it was, 5.30 in the morning to get up and go to training, um, to now like if you set an alarm, you're getting up at that time. Um, you're not rolling back over and hitting the snooze button. And I think that's a really important thing that that's taught me mm-hmm. is do those little things and do those one percenters because that all adds up or it all gets you closer to your end goal um, of what you want to do and, and who you want to become. Mm, I love that. And before you've kind of answered that question already, but before we go into that, that doesn't surprise me at all. And it's funny when I think even just about office, the three people that are usually there before 8 a.m., we're all swimmers like do you reckon yeah, yeah actually <laughs> I've never thought about that um and you're actually you're a hundred percent right there even yeah and just yeah never thought about that <laughs> but it, it comes back down to your training even like training now I've got a half marathon in a couple of weeks that I'm running and it last night I was out for a run and I, I think I got to about 7k and I was like nah and like my brain was like, or my body was definitely telling me, <laughs> no, you can stop now. But I was like, no, I need to do 10. And I came out here to do 10. And now I need to do 10, keep, keep pushing. And same with swimming and back in swimming. If you, if you did a race set too short, or if you cut the corners there, you got to see that mm-hmm. on, on your, on the race day. So definitely the discipline, I think swimming taught me was, was massive. Mm. Yeah. And then I guess if we do speak about life-saving, the skills that I've learned within that, within the craft of uh, IB racing and, and driving and crewing a, a, an inflatable rescue boat is now transferred to um, being more comfortable in bigger surf or more interesting conditions in terms of helping someone else and saving somebody else's life. It doesn't even need to be within an IB either. It could be me swimming with a tube or me paddling a board everything that I've learned from swimming in terms of how to grab the water, catch the water to now being able to, yeah, hold myself and hold my own in the water is, is yeah, really rewarding, I think. And I'm, and I'm glad I did it. Mm. And I always say, even being, you know, a swimming coach and a learn to swim teacher for so many years, I like, I was like, oh, swimming is the most amazing skill because it can literally, you know, save your own life. But you've just brought it into a pretty special context where you're using like the skills you learn in swimming as to how to hold the water and how to you know read the water or move through the water mm-hmm. and you're saving someone else's life so that's like a skill that you've learned th- through swimming and life saving and now you're, you're saving other people's lives with it which mm. I don't know I think is maybe a little bit more special than just the swimming alone. And I don't want to sound like I've always been really super biased and go, well, swimming's the best because it's this. But I think or seeing a little bit more of the life-saving side is it's not just, you know, saving one person's life. Like you have the potential to save so many lives. And definitely. yeah, it just mm. it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I always say that there's no better feeling than saving somebody else's life. Either if, if, if that's you getting to them and it's the moment of their relief and it's in their eyes that, all right, I'm, I'm actually going to get through this one now or getting them back to shore or helping them. And um, in some cases, 
bringing him back to life is 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 massive, and uh, that's something that that I believe that I'm very humble about, and just go on with it. However, to them, it, it's the world. So, and extending from that, mm. you do some work with Ambulance Victoria. So, yeah. was some of the skills you learned in life saving has that like transferred over to your work with um, Ambulance Victoria? Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, Ambulance Community Officer down at Rawson, which is uh, in the Gippsland region. The easiest way to, to put a, put, to put ourselves is between if you take a, a general first aider and a paramedic and you put us in the middle somewhere and that and that's our skill set and what we can do. And definitely life-saving gave me the foundation of that, the foundation of basic first aid, basic CPR and um, some advanced resuscitation techniques. That It's really helped me in that in that area as well. Yeah, so I guess keeping myself operational in that sense as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you've mentioned a whole list of them, so you can say pass for this. But has there been uh, like a benefit sport has provided you as an individual that's transferred over to other avenues of your life? Yes, I will just say like as much as swimming has taught me to be comfortable in the water. Yes, there's been times where I've been over my head um, in terms of water and um, you never you never judged uh, the, the water's movement or the water's power, but definitely having that swimming background, being comfortable, even just simple tumble turns, being upside down in water and being disorientated in water. If you get picked up, dumped by a wave, or if you're pushing under a wave, you don't feel as nervous, I guess, in going out in that. But it means we're all not 12 foot tall and indestructible. But I think that's really important that the comfortability in water and, and in surf is, yeah, I've got swimming to thank for that. Oh, I never thought of it from the tumble turn aspect and, you know, getting flipped by a wave because that's one thing mm. that's like my biggest fear, but I'm fine with tumble turns. So it's literally just Turns. ride with it and then pop back up. I didn't even yep. think of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even being right at the end of your breath or being right at like you've drawn everything out of your lungs and you just need to hold it on for that little bit more and, and put in that little bit more energy. And I think of that of, of you've done your tumble, like you've raced as hard as you can for your 50 meters in your tumble turning you've got to work your underwater leg because that's the most important thing, but you're drained of oxygen. This is exactly that. You're, you're going under a wave and you are, you're absolutely gassed. Um, you got nothing in the tank and, and now you've got to perform and, and get back up, get your breath back before that next wave comes. Mm, it's that, I once had a swim teacher say that to me and I was really little mm. and they, mm. they said, when you think you're done, you're never done. There's always that done. extra oh. bit in the tank that you don't know about. And yeah, exactly. that is exactly what you've just said. And competitive swimming, I didn't know it learned to swim, but competitive swimming does teach you that. It's like, well, you might think your lungs are empty, but you're still good to go for another three seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just that mental, that mentality of knowing that you've got that re- that little bit more there and yeah I look at some of and listen to a couple of um, Navy SEALs uh, especially over in the US and what those guys do and what those guys go through water like expelling all their air out and not that I'm saying that I'm going to be a fit for it but by (laughs) all means I think there's some some grain there I think. Yeah did you ever I remember one time we did the Navy SEAL test we had to do it with fins on where they I think did 75 meters underwater or something 
and like things like that it was a challenge i do not recommend any kid doing that hypoxic training is bad don't do it but back back when i was a teenager like that's a challenge that we did um yeah mm. crazy but it wasn't also yeah i do remember one particular session where it was now now very frowned upon uh hypoxia training which was which was all right you're doing 12 50 100 meter underwater Mm -hmm. um and i'm not sure what the science was behind it but yeah as you said definitely don't do it now but yeah it was it was very different it is different now it's interesting how like things evolve Mm. we do not recommend it under any circumstance just making it very clear (laughs) (laughs) please do not (laughs) is there a lesson that you've learned along the way that you'd maybe want to share either to someone who's kind of who was a swimmer and is maybe like losing their passion for it or is looking into getting to life-saving or any anyone in general yeah so i think build yourself and put people around you who are going to support you and help you get to your passion. I think uh, I said it earlier, teamwork is there's no individual sport out there anymore. And if you are losing passion, I would, I would probably say, look at, look at another club, look at another friendship group Mm -hmm. and go do it under them and, and meet more people that way. I was listening to, there was another, I think he was, he was an admiral or someone, again, in the US, in the US Army. I don't mean to bring up so many references back to the US Army, but I think he was saying that you need you need a group to, I guess, move a mountain. Mm-hmm. You're not just the person there. And uh, he was, it was a really good speech. And I, I can't remember it, but I recommend everyone to, to look it up. If you type in admiral us speech i think it was a grad it was a graduation speech over there but really really beneficial i might find it and link it in the show notes or maybe we can make you find it mitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no that probably sounds a bit better um but yeah it's really important he he talks over sort of the 10 points of his um what he learned out of i guess their basic training um and i think the first one was um get up and make your bed and and what does that teach you and that teaches you well you've You've gotten up, first of all, so well done for getting up. Now you're prepared to attack the day. Second, you've completed a task, which is, it's a simple task, but it's a rewarding task of making your bed. Mm. And that will teach you to go maybe out to the out to the kitchen and go, all right, I've made my bed. Well, I might as well make myself breakfast instead of buying breakfast. And then you come into work and you're like, all right, well, now I've made breakfast. Now I'm going to call this person back or, or send this email that I've been delaying. So really attacking pathways that way, but really beneficial mm. uh, learnings there. And a couple of those points really stuck with me. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it and I might check it with you and then we'll link it mm. because yeah. little things like that do make the difference. And sometimes when you are, I guess, a little bit lower in motivation, seeing or hearing something like that mm. could just pull you out of the slump. It's the thing that you needed. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think he does a really good job of it. Yeah. I'll make sure we find it. <laughs> it's our mission for the rest of the week. Yeah. So this one is very easy and it's for you, it's very easy, but it's something that's super important to me personally to show how being involved in sports actually good for more than just the individual who's involved in it. And can you tell us a little bit about, well, we've spoken a little bit anyway, but a little bit about mm. like how being involved in swimming, but also life-saving has you know helped you develop the community or like used your skills to develop the community yeah we have definitely spoken about it and uh it comes back around to that community engagement piece of 
patrolling on a beach and seeing someone in trouble and you know you've got the skills um or i know that i've got the skills from from the competition that i've been involved in to get out and get that person or to provide assistance to that person if that's from a swimming and then swimming out with tube and fins um whatever that might be to get to that person or if it's jumping in the inflatable rescue boat to go get them i know I'm, i know i'm comfortable i know the limitations of that boat and i can get to them safely and, and promptly which is really important mm, and in terms of like what you do at work because that is a huge part of like expanding that to not just yourself but also other people in life saving. So can you tell us a little bit without going too much into depth with lots of acronyms that no yeah. one knows, a little bit how <laughs> yeah. like what you do expands and helps other mm. people on the beach? Yeah. So uh currently working for Life Saving Victoria as the lead coordinator for operational training. I think it is. So work within <laughs> the operation. Yeah, it's a bit of a long title. Look after operational training is, is essentially what it is. So training lifeguards and all the way up through to some of the Westpac helicopter guys um, in terms of best rescue techniques and um, and little hints and tricks. Now, understanding these guys have already got a foundation in these in these skills and my job is to sort of is to make them better and to provide them little tips and tricks to make them better, which ultimately returns into saving lives. But there's probably a couple of moments before I did this role where I was a pool lifeguard trainer and uh, annual fitness test or um, just recruitment into the pool lifeguard space was a 200 meter swim within eight minutes. And it, it can be challenging for some people, but coming from a background of for them like no they haven't they haven't gone through swimming lessons so mm. for me to easily go extend your stroke out reach as far as you can grab the water really well pull all the way through that stroke and that was really rewarding in seeing them be able to accomplish the time and they might have never been able to um, mm. but a couple of simple tricks that I've learned from my competition areas is again gone to helping some someone within a lifeguard space, which um, they may end up saving a life in the near future. Mm, it extends a lot further than what you think if you think about the yeah. the net you've uh, thrown. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so this next question, you can answer it in general or you can go sport specific, but where do you see the future of sport? I think I'll go specific towards swimming and I'll bring it back to life saving, but Swimming, I think we've just um, watched uh, or we've just seen, the. I think, the jewel in the pool, um, wasn't it? And there, I think there was a there was a bunch of opportunities there that I would like to see within within the world stage, within Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, even at, even if at standard state championships, but things around mixed relays um, and that's female and male. Um, but also able and disabled bodies as well. I think that's really, really important. And I think we need to put a light on the, the multi-class side of things. And that's really important that we follow them. And, and you can see like the Olympics uh, or the Paralympics runs two weeks after the main and instantly the attention of it isn't as big or as, as grand as the main. Um, so how do we bring that together? Uh, and I think there's, mm-hmm. I think Jewel in the Pool represented that they did their i think it was the first relay of a paralympian and an enabled body so to see that on the on the platform that would be that would be huge i would say 
Do you remember actually, and I can't remember if it was you or me who brought it up, but in the office on that first first day after the weekend, and I was like, did yeah, you see yeah. this? And, and like we were talking yeah. about it because it's so exciting. It's something that didn't exist when we were Yeah, swimming. exactly. But they were always the most fun events. Like you would be you'd be at a training on whatever afternoon it was and, and your coach would like be, yep, mixed relays. And it's the most fun. It's the most, yeah. uh, and I guess as yourself, as a competitor, you're, you're, you're in a relaxed environment because you're around people that you enjoy with. You enjoy the banter of it. Yes. You're still taking it seriously, but there's a value to be added there. I, I would say. If uh, any of my swimming friends listen to this, they'll know that I went like maybe two or three years and I anyone who was on my team, like my relay team never won, no matter what team it was. I was like the bad luck charm. Um, but it's going back to that mixed between the able-bodied and the um, multi-class, it was really special because that was Ali Cole's last yeah. race and Huge. like she retired after that. And that's something she's been campaigning for, gosh, her first Paralympics was 2008. So like the amount of time she's been on the Australian team, she's been campaigning for this. Oh, so cool. And Mm. yeah, it's just crazy. Mm. Well, I'm glad to hear that there's there's people out there thinking the same. And I I really hope that whoever makes the decision is listening and, and, and gives people the opportunity in all honesty okay, who do we know that we can send it to I don't know. Australia? I we need to find someone I'm sure someone's got a tie somewhere don't they um well let's lose let's use our networks Mitch yeah <laughs> yeah for sure but I think I want to speak a little bit about life-saving as well because that's a very it's an international it's an international career I would say in a way um every country or most countries have got have got a life-saving team or background or their lifeguarding an open waterway of of some sort so that to be reaching a bit more of a world stage like for australia we've got our iron man series and a really strong australian title series but really really excited that um as well as uh, surf lifesaving australia and lifesaving victoria have, have put in a bit of a bid to to see some of those events within the commonwealth games coming up so that'll be really good to see as well Mm-hmm. I'm, I, mm. did, I was very excited when I yes. saw that and I was like, oh, oh imagine that. <laughs> yeah. And will they need lifeguards for that? And therefore, does our event team get to work on that is the next yeah. question. <laughs> well, let's hope so. And I'll be the first to raise my hand, I think. <laughs> so. yeah. It needs some volunteers. We're in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it is very exciting. And I think life-saving is very big in Australia and mostly, I guess, maybe juniors in terms of nippers, like, it's something that, you know, Australia, coastline, it makes sense. But to see that around the world, very, very cool. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I really hope uh, that there's more inclusion in both areas as well. And um, it would even be great to see multi-class events within life-saving. Um, and for that area to grow, we we know we've got something called starfish nippers, which is including those uh, multi-class people. So seeing that and seeing a competition realm of that would be would be super super rewarding, but also I think it would give them a whole new life and a whole new uh, outlook on life as well. Yeah, and we've just spoken about all the benefits sport mm. has. So the more people that you can get involved in sport and teach those skills to, the better. Yeah, no, definitely. And I would say keep swimming, keep swimming or keep swimming at it and um, 
really uh if you're a parent teach your child to swim because in australia water is everything to us and and we spend so much of it at a beach at a river at a lake at a dam wherever it might be and it's uh i'll put i'll put my uh job hat on here but there is a there is a drowning toll and it is quite high and we need to address that and it starts really young and um being comfortable in water and not panicking and uh, being able to get themselves to safety is is super important. Hundred mm-hmm. <laughs> percent. You've almost taken the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I've spent years in saying. Um, but also, yeah. like, if you find the kids that don't really love swimming up and down a black line, well, guess what? There's nippers. That's for the adrenaline junkies yeah, that get bored. Is. Put them in nippers. Yeah, it's. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put my uh, hand up in the first to say there was some sessions where I was swimming up and down a black line and I'm like, what am I doing here? But now I get to swim out as a, as a training session and catch a wave in, for instance. Mm-hmm. So it just adds a little bit more of a dimension to it. Yeah. Well, Mitch, thank you mm. for coming on. I know I didn't have to nag too hard, but <laughs> I really, really appreciate it. No, thank you. And thank you for having me and what an opportunity it was. No, thank you for sharing the, the inner workings of lifesaving with us and IRB racing and, and swimming as well. Yeah, we'll look to, we'll look to recruit for IRB racing. <laughs> well, there we go. Any yep. contacts, get DM me and uh, we'll, we'll get you on to Mitch. <laughs> Beautiful. More than happy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top-level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you liked this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Until next time.